0: That Good was some great. And turn to one of the this morning. I'm and still recovering for the song, but I'm going to start with going to take a little while. That moves. Let's to pray and thank the Lord for His service. Heavenly Father, thank You that, be, um, that we can open something now that truly is Your work. It's not the work of some committees. It's the work the Holy Spirit the jingle bells, the hearts of the writers. Bells are coming to town. Thank you and that those that, that are in the hymnal we're hymn able to sing as the Take John your hymnal and turn it 75. Praise the Savior, fantastic. you who know Him. And the short thank him with you for your acquaintance without the seed. The rest of 75, just stand with me as we sing. Let's turn together to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. This is really a part 2, Worthy is the Lamb. I'd like to read the chapter once again. And I'd like to ask you as I read if you can allow your emotions to be at work here. This is a very emotional chapter. There's a lot that is going on from highs and lows. Allow your emotions to speak to you as we read through here. Remember, this is the Apostle John from his vantage point. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures so, and among the elders Jesus, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all also the earth. Us to good evening. And how's your he your 2017 took going the scroll so far, from the right done. hand of him <laughs> who is <think> was seated <laughs> on <good. laughs> some, some the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four um, living an creatures and the 24 elders fell down the before the lamb, each I'll holding I'll a harp. And, and I heard every creature in heaven and, in and on earth sea, and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the, the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and, beyond, who is and ever. And,
1: and the four living creatures seat.
0: said, and you Amen. And the elders fell okay, down Okay, we're going to do this kind of as a sing-along, I guess. So, who's Before first, our special Christmas to, okay, services, we were introduced in Revelation 5 to the 390, scroll. that would not be a Christmas service. In verse carol. 1, we made three observations 390, about that's this fine. particular scroll. Yeah. It was in the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. And we understand clearly that that's Some going to be God the Father. Some of these pages these large hymnals up here, hard to turn. It had writing on both ah, sides. One of my favorite hymns, thank you. Usually <laughs> that didn't happen. Usually it was Let's rough sing on verses one side. one But the papyrus rolls written on the inside, this one was so full of writing that was also written on the back side. And we also noted that it was sealed with seven seals. According to Roman law, any will had to be sealed seven times so that no one could violate it without being very apparent to them. Everything here as we read this points to the fact that this scroll was of monumental importance. The Believer's Bible Commentary says this, The scroll contains a record of the judgments that must fall on the earth before the Lord Jesus can set up his kingdom. So it's a record of judgments that are coming, and we will see that through the book of Revelation. But we've also seen it identified in two other ways. One of them is that it has also been called the book of redemption. And in it, no doubt, there was a reference to past redemption. First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen tells us a little bit more about the redemption, the book of redemption, and you'll notice on the screen that seven sealed scroll. And as you opened each seal, you had to open that before you could get to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the the, the seven Good. different seals that would be open. Yes. But in First Peter chapter one, verses eighteen and nineteen, Number eleven, it says, "Knowing that you were ransomed." Other translations use the word redeemed. You were okay, ransomed we'll or you through. were redeemed from the feudal ways inherited That's from your forefathers, redeemed. not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So we see in this scroll the book of redemption, reminding us that we've been redeemed in the Lord Jesus. But something else needed to be redeemed, not just people. According to the Bible, the entire earth, including the animals, the plant life, all of creation, all of nature, came under the terrible effects of sin. And all of that is also in need of redemption. Along with that, our bodies needed to be redeemed as well. But that, by this time in the study of Revelation, that would have taken place. But you're very familiar, I'm sure many of you, with Romans chapter 8 verses 22 and 23 you can look that up in a hurry or you can listen as I read those verses but in Romans 8 verse 22 it says for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now and not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There's a figurative expression there and a literal one. We're groaning in these bodies, waiting for our new bodies. How many of you are sitting here in pain right now? Uh, Quite a few. We're groaning figuratively and literally, but we're waiting for new bodies. There's not going to be any pain at all in those new bodies. Strauss has said this, there are three things to be redeemed in the Old Testament. And i mentioned this before several weeks ago. First of all, a man could sell himself into servitude. That is, if he had no money, he could sell himself as a servant. But a close relative could redeem him, could buy him back from his servitude. The one who redeemed him was referred to as the kinsman redeemer, meaning he's a relative and one who would redeem that servant there was also the case of a widow if a woman's husband died and he left no unmarried brother to marry her or if a living brother of the deceased man chose not to marry that widow and this is all in deuteronomy chapter 25 among other passages in the old testament then the nearest kin could marry her that man was also known as a kinsman redeemer We know the story of Boaz marrying Ruth. He was her kinsman redeemer, and we read about that in Ruth chapter 4. So we've got
1: those three things,
0: two of the three things to be redeemed in the Old Testament. First of all, there's a servant. Second of all, there is a widow, and then land. If a man lost his land, a near relative could buy that back, could redeem it, could keep it within the family. The scroll on which the official transaction was recorded was rolled up, it was sealed, it was placed in either the tabernacle or later the temple. So those three things could be redeemed a servant, a wife, or a widow in that case, or the land itself. And here's what someone else has written about that. At this point in Revelation, the first two have been accomplished already the servant and the widow or the wife. The church, the bride of Christ, was caught up in the rapture, we believe spoken of in Revelation chapter 4, and we, his servants, have been fully redeemed, having received our resurrection bodies at the rapture of the Lord Jesus. But the earth and the creatures in the earth, both vegetable and animal, he says, are still under the curse. The earth itself is still groaning under the curse of man's sin these also must be redeemed, for Christ is the perfect Redeemer. And every realm which comes under Adam's sin must also be delivered by the redemption of the last Adam. And so we see that everything was cursed at the fall. And all of it at this point in our study of Revelation hasn't been bought back yet or redeemed. So we understand that some great things are still to happen. The whole earth fell. Adam fell the earth and the atmosphere around it have been snatched from us by the invader Satan and I did mention this a few weeks ago also when the devil offered to give all of the kingdoms of the world with their glory to Jesus if Jesus would simply bow down and worship him you remember Jesus did not repudiate that particular claim he didn't repudiate that because if we look at that context there in Matthew chapter 4 what Jesus did tell Satan was to get lost. He didn't repudiate his claim, though. He didn't say, well, you can't offer me that. That's not in your possession. You, you, you don't have any right to do that. He, he told him to get lost in these words. He said uh, in the ASV, be gone, Satan. Satan had asked for Jesus' worship in exchange for all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. But Jesus told him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship so jesus didn't repudiate his claim that he had the title to all of that what he did tell him you've got to get out of here the scroll that john saw has also been identified thusly as be seated the title deed to yes, this Tom. world once committed to mankind to rule for god but now in the hands of satan And when we go back to the Garden of Eden, we see that that title deed was lost as a result of the fall, as a result of sin. So the scroll that God held in his hand as we begin Revelation chapter 5, that scroll is the title deed to the earth. It's a book of redemption. It is also a book of judgment that we can see. And again, according to Roman custom, it was sealed seven times because it was a will, but this one was a very unusual will. It is a will to a son who is to be the king of the earth. No one can open the will except the rightful heir at the death of the testator. But Jesus' death secured the inheritance for himself, but he was both testator and heir because Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. That makes it a very unusual will. Don't ever try that yourself. Nobody else could have done that except the Lord Jesus. Then when we come to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, and uh, I I failed to mention this also, Uh, let me back up just a step. When Jesus didn't repudiate his claim, he didn't repudiate his claim, nor did the other scriptures, because we find that three times Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. Three times that John records himself. Paul calls Satan the God of this world and also the prince of the power of the air. And John wrote... The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. So we understand what is going on and why this title is going to be changed back, why this land is going to be redeemed. And when we come to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, later on, it says this, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. And of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. So we've got and that and title being D- changed. Okay. And we love the song, we sing about that. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Do you see why this is such a significant occurrence that Verses is going on one, at this particular two, time? We read through Revelation five. chapter five sometimes okay. very quickly 20, and we say, Okay, 25. let's get to the action. Let's get to the judgments. Uh, But this paves the way for everything else that happens. Jesus came, took the scroll, and began to break the seals. Each time a seal is broken, new judgment is poured out as Jesus takes back the earth. That explains why everything is so dramatic in chapter 5. Let's look at it a little more closely. Who is worthy? We're looking at the first four verses. In verse 2, we're introduced to a mighty angel. Some say that it is Gabriel, where it says there, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Some say it's Gabriel. Some say it's Michael. A case could be made for Gabriel. His name means the strength of God, and this is a mighty angel. A case could be made for Michael. The Bible doesn't tell us, so it really doesn't matter. It is a mighty or a strong angel. And we're told the angel was proclaiming in a loud voice. And when you look up that word literally, it means screaming at the top of his lungs. So if you allow your imagination to take you to this point in heaven back in Revelation chapter 5, imagine not just this loud voice and this proclamation, but he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And he's screaming, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? This is a monumental moment. This is very, very significant. And when we see people or hear about people saying things or angels saying things in loud voices, it's because it's important. It's because it's something that's very, very significant. According to verse three, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And so the answer to the question, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? The answer to that question made John cry. And again, when we look at that literally according to what it says in verse four there, he kept on shedding many tears. In fact, one writer says John wept copiously. There's something that's very, very upsetting. We're not told exactly why it was that he cried. It was more than curiosity that he wasn't going to be able to find out what was on the scroll. More than curiosity, it seems as if he had knowledge of what was there. We don't know how much, but uh, someone, after saying John wept copiously, said, Did that mean that the wrongs of earth would go unrighted? That the righteous would never be vindicated? That the wicked would go unpunished? You know Did it mean song. that the kingdom one would not come in, because the necessary meeting. purging of the earth one would the be forded? Was that going through John's mind? We don't know, that? but we yonder know that it was very, very significant says. to him that somehow so, here was this song. scroll. It was so song. important, and nobody was going to be able to open it and find out what was inside. And so he cried, and he cried why was no one found worthy? Because this is what the angel was really asking for. The angel was really asking for this. Who has the innate, virtuous worthiness of character and the divine right that would qualify him to break the seals? And who has the power to defeat Satan and his demon host, to wipe out sin and its effects, and to reverse the curse of all creation? Who's able to do that and you can look around and figure out nobody is able to do that except one, and he'll be revealed. Who is morally worthy to open Verse this three, book of justice let us and finality? The Who is morally worthy to do that? Who is qualified to break the seals and lay claim to the entire earth? Who has furnished the price of redemption? Who is the rightful heir who is worthy to take possession of the earth and govern it in righteousness? Who alone is worthy and capable of giving worldwide punishment? Remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And that's what's taking place here. Who is worthy to do any of these things, let alone Time for All two more, that. so I see one. So that's way a very, very there. significant question. That yes, is that's asked. you. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to examine the seals that are there? Who is able to do that? And the answer is, look around. Who possibly could do that? And the answer comes back to one. Okay. Any volunteers sing it twice. Here's short. what Strauss no says. Here with it, all so. the efforts of all the unregenerated and unsanctified men in politics, religion, arts, sciences, philosophy, psychology, and war have intro. forfeited any right to rule the world. Egypt, Babylon, Greece, Persia, Rome, Germany, Italy, Russia all tried to take over the role on, of the kinsman redeemer bells, and all fell in ignominious ruin. All Jesus of them Christ tried to set up King. this world. Here's what John MacArthur says, but as the echoes of his cry recede, there is only silence. The powerful archangels Michael and Gabriel do not answer. Uncounted thousands of other angels remain silent. All the righteous dead of all the ages, including Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Job, Moses, David, Solomon, Elijah, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Peter, and the rest of the apostles, Paul, and all the others from the church age, say nothing. Four foot eleven. No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. A search of the entire universe from hell to heaven and all points in between turns up no one worthy to open the scroll. And again, it's enough to make a grown man cry. We'll do verses which John does in verse uh, four. He wept and wept, literally kept on weeping much. And again, we've got to see his reaction is more than curiosity. What if no one were worthy? Then we would all be the weeping ones today. If no one were worthy to take back this planet. But the good news comes in verses 5 through 7. The lamb, lion, the lion and the lamb is worthy. What a relief as we look at verse 5. What a relief to see what's going on here. Because one of the elders elders said to John, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. What a relief. Don't cry anymore, John. Why not? There must be a good reason. There is, because someone is worthy. And that's the Lion. Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Why the reference to the Lion of Judah? If we go back to Genesis chapter 49, you're welcome to turn there if you'd like to or find that in in your device. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 to 10. Very powerful verses, prophetic verses, good Christmas verses as well, talking about the coming of Messiah. Jacob is prophesying about what's going to happen to his son's And there is a greater prophecy about Judah because it involves the one who is coming who can only be Messiah. So here's what he says in Genesis 49, verses 8 to 10. Remember, this is Jacob now pointing out what's going to happen in the future to his sons. And he comes to Judah. And he says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's come. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse, who dares rouse him. Can be seated. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. That's the right to rule. It's not going to leave Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to Are him or the one to whom the, 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 the right to rule so belongs. That would be the Messiah. And that anyway, scepter Father, didn't depart from Judah, even during captivity. And we have down. governors we who were from sins. Judah. When Jesus came, he, he was you. the last one of anyway, Judah of of who way, had a right to rule. For us, he was the Messiah himself. Mess fall, to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Confess Interesting to know that Father, Judah became this known this year, as the lion. Judah was the leader in battle. The symbol of the tribe of Judah became that lion. Some of you may recall in the Six-Day War, June 6-11 in, in 1967, the, the old city of Jerusalem was taken after How an they attack they at the Lion's Gate. Or the original strategy was called for the attack the at the Dung Gate. But the soldiers' shout anybody. was, Judah first. And fittingly, Judah, represented by the lion's gate, so was first. Takes us back to Judges chapter 20 and verse 18, where it says, The people of Israel arose the Father, and went so up to Bethel to and inquired of God, of who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? Father, and the Lord said, Judah shall go up. up first. Father, we thank and that's for been the case ever since. Peers Judah, the, the lion, family. represented by the lion. Uh, and helping and so when we read here the that there so was a lion, the Lord Jesus himself, the lion God of the tribe of Judah, to to it, described as the root of meeting, David as well, the strong one, and his enemies will industry. know that. We what exactly the does the root, the root of David mean? The root of David, by Jeremiah's Lord, time, the royal line of David was almost destroyed. The Davidic kings of his day were among the worst sinners of the kingdom. They precipitated this Babylonian captivity. But God promised that someday, out of the cut-down tree of David's kingly line, a truly righteous king would emerge as a shoot from his roots. Let's turn together to Isaiah for just a moment and see that. In fact, let's go to Isaiah 11. You can read through chapter 10 at your leisure as as you have opportunity to do that. But Isaiah chapter 11, again, some great verses... There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse, of course, David's father. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Then the description of the sevenfold spirit is there. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And we come down to verse 3. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness He shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And then it goes into a millennial description of that time when he will be ruling the earth. So clearly, when we're here in Revelation chapter 5, and we're seeing these descriptions of the one who can open the scroll, The root of David is a description of Messiah. It's the Lord Jesus, just as the lion is as well. But then Jesus was further described in verses 6 and 7. He went from lion to lamb very abruptly. Why? They seemed opposed to each other, a lion and a lamb. Far different. What a contrast. Well, the lamb refers to his first coming as a lamb. And here that word means a pet lamb. It's not just describing any old lamb, it's a pet lamb. lamb, like of the lamb in Nathan's and story to David is in, in, our the hymnal, the one in the Old Testament. He's I God's think you all pet, sacrificed I as mean, the perfect you, payment for our sins. This. He's the uh, darling so of God's words heart. Here. And let's stand That's together, the lamb. And you sing. The, the lion refers to Christ's return as a judge of all people He's going to wield that rod of iron. He'll show the strength and the power of a lion. So we see this contrast. We see the one who died for us, but we also see the powerful one who's going to take back the earth in judgment. The lion and the lamb, pictured hide, almost in consecutive verses in here. Very interesting that we see something going on here as well. What we're seeing is Jesus, to according to what it says in Hebrews 1-3, tells us there that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power Then it says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We're going to see Jesus going from that position, sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high, where we see him pictured even right now. But he's not staying there because according to what it says in Revelation 5, now he's standing in verse 6. He's about to do something. Action is on the horizon sitting at the right hand of the majesty right now. And when we get to Revelation chapter 5, he's standing up. It's time for action. Now we also see a further description, seven horns. What do the seven horns mean? It's imagery drawn from the scripture. It speaks of complete power and authority. It's the prerogative of a king. What about the seven eyes? Seven eyes represent the sevenfold so completion or perfection of the Holy Spirit. They're sent out into all of the earth. There is no place where the Spirit of God will not be present. and will not know what is going on. And then what is particularly significant and about verse 7? Verse 7 is very, very significant. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand o of Lamb him who was seated God, on the throne. I Lamb can't over the significance the of this colossal moment in God's of God. plan of redemption. Lord, verse 7 looks pretty innocent. He goes and he takes the scroll blood, from his hand. Power and judgment God are committed God. to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the party is over now. This moment, you be verse 7, the party is over for Satan and the hordes of evil that have thought that so far things have gone pretty well, they've got a lot going for them. The party is over, and they're about to find that out very big time. There's a parallel passage in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It doesn't mention the scroll, but I think it's very clear that it's mentioning this moment. And thus we have that happening here in verse 7, exactly what was prophesied by Daniel. Why is this so significant? Well, there's another reason why is this so significant, because we see the response that happens immediately to the worthiness of the Lion, the Lamb, the only one anywhere who could open the scroll. So the worship begins immediately with verse 8, the four living creatures, the highest order of angels, the 24 elders fall down in worship. And then when we look at verses 8 through 14, it chronicles three choirs and an amen. These choirs are singing, it tells us distinctly, saying, it tells us also. Don't know whether the singing continues on into the saying or not. You'll see as we go through here in just a moment what's going on. But there is a 28-voice a, a ensemble, but probably a lot more than that, that opens up this praise. Look at verse 8. In verse 8, it says, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp. Interesting that all of them are musicians now. But what is more interesting to me is we've seen already in our study the 24 elders, I believe, clearly represent the church. The elders are always a representative group in the church. And for a lot of reasons we mentioned before that this is probably representative of the church. That means all of us can be musicians. All of us would be holding a harp if, if this is a representative group. In either case, it says they fell down before the lamb holding the harp, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It says, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take this scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. A very significant scene of worship involving a group that's going to get larger, as we'll see in just a moment. We see that pictured for us next In verses 11 and 12, and if you want to let your imagination go along with what's on the screen right now, this is a foretaste of what is there. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering, and then it says, some of your translations will read differently, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, some say that's hundreds of millions and hundreds of millions and tens of thousands. Others say that it is meant to be, and they can, they can attempt to prove it, and they do, that it means an uncountable number of angels. It means that we can't put a number to it, that there are so many of them. However many you want to read into that, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, and the myriads has got to be more than the thousands at least. So we're we're talking millions upon millions upon millions of angels at least. Saying, it doesn't say singing here, it says saying with a loud voice, but in the context, I can't make the word saying in the Greek language mean singing, um, but in the context it could conceivably mean that, just not etymologically And they say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. There's a third choir in verse 13. And some will scratch their head and say, what does this really mean? And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Every creature praising the Lord. Because remember, when we fell, all of nature fell, everything fell. So it is not inconceivable to me that this would include something like this. Every creature praising the Lord for who he is in this context. So we've got one choir in verses 8 to 10. We've got an angelic choir uh, at least saying or singing in verses 11 and 12, and now all of nature. And then we've got the four living creatures coming up saying, Amen, which means so be it, let it be, or make it happen. I like to make it happen in this case. Do you know what? We're going to see this huge army again in Revelation marching out of heaven execute judgment, to gather God's elect and return with Christ when he sets up his kingdom. The first seal is about to be opened, and truly the party is over, and the elders, if that represents the church, fell down and worshiped. That's us. I believe sincerely that that is us. The elders fell down and worshiped at this scene. Do you see why Revelation chapter 5 is so significant? It's not one to be passed over lightly. It's showing the only one in the universe who can do what is about to be done is doing it, and it's about to happen. The first seal is about to be opened, and Lord willing, we'll pick that up in a couple of weeks. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, if we're among those elders and we fell down and worshiped, may we worship even right now. We're not there yet, but we will be one day. We will be and we'll be able to witness this great event, this colossal event. And we'll be able to be as excited as John was emotional when he thought he couldn't see it. We will be able to. So thank you so very, very much for this glimpse, for this preview, for this reminder of how powerful the Lord Jesus is and what a great plan that you have put in place. We thank you for that, and we thank you that we're permitted to read the last chapter of this book before it happens. And thank you so very, very much for being the great God who reveals himself to us in his word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.